When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, it's great to talk to you, Rory. It's great to talk to, to, to Cork people. I've got many friends uh, down in Cork. I must admit that when I was growing up in the 40s and 50s, Cork were not my favorite team, uh, Hurlan. But Wexford were, and uh, I stuck with that. And then um, oh, I had an awful lot of time for that Cork Holland team of the 50s, Christian Ring, Paddy Barry. Uh, oh, they were a marvellous, marvellous player. And the goalkeeper at the time, uh, Dave Creighton, um, I met him, Lord of Mercy, who was dead once. Uh, he had a brother who lived in Oxford, where I am, and he came over for the funeral. And uh, that, uh, it, that was long before he died himself. So I, I can honestly say I... I met him, and I actually, uh, on false pretenses once, I was visiting the, the, your lovely city, and I said to my wife, and uh, quite a young son, a young teenager, and he was not interested in looking at Graver, so I said, there's a lovely, lovely, beautiful spot called Klein. It's a real picturesque village, and of course, I didn't. I, all I wanted to see was a statue of Christy Ring and go to his grave, and I'd done that, and I was, you know, I, I can't say I enjoyed it. I, 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 I love the man, and, and there's so many... Wonderful stories about him uh, as well, um, Rory. And can you begin by telling our listeners where the idea of the book, uh, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, came from, Henry? Well, I uh, come from a little village uh, in North Sligo, picturesque little little, little village. Um, no tradition of hurling there at all. Um, uh, football, yes, uh, but I first, I first, when I was about eight years old in 1956, with this wireless, as they call it then, because it's television now it is, stuck in the corner. I remember sat on some old slabs or old flagstones, that's all we had as a floor, listening to the radio, and I was amazed to listen to it, Michael O'Hare, because he was the one, if anybody, that's got it. He, he painted such vivid pictures of these games, and that match was the All-Ireland Hurling Final between Cork and Wexford. And at the time, I uh, loved the Rackers, and there was a guy called Padge Kehoe, uh, who's uh, on the profile, one of the profiles of the book. My m- mother's maiden name was Kyo, slightly different spell. I always thought we were related and, and uh, you know, dreamt that we were related. And I could never believe that in, in, in time I met and c- quite quite friendly with the with the Rackers, Billy. The others had died and Padge Kyo. And um, that's how I first started. I then kept all the snapshots or saw all the, the pictures of them, paper cuttings of any I could get in scrapbooks. And uh, I just, although I never played the game of hurling, um, I did try it when I came to Oxford, but I was no good at it. And I think, to be honest, if you're going to be any good at hurling, you've got you to have the hurl when you're in your nappies. <laughs> That's how I felt about it anyways. 
And some of the interviews feature GA players from the era of the 50s and 60s. Would they have been the superstars of the game that you looked up to from a young age? Well, they would, and some of them would be before that. If you start off with, with Jimmy Murray or Russ Common, um, he won a couple of Ireland Ireland football finals in, in uh, 1944 45, <coughs> excuse me, with a cough. He played in four All Irelands. Well, I met him uh, in a pub up at Russ Common. He owned a pub. I met him loads of times. So that's going back then. You're going back to uh, Dickie Rackard, uh, the Rackard stuff playing in, in the 40s. You had a guy then called John McAndrew who, who won a double with Mayo in 1950, 51 as a GP over the start of the world. And just to tell you a little tale how things were then uh, compared to nowadays, John McAndrew was a big strapping six foot four footballer. And he travelled uh, for his first Mayo County Senior Football Championship on a bicycle. He travelled 25 miles there, won the county championship with his togs and his boots and the handlebars, and then cycled back 25, <coughs> excuse me, 25 miles. Can you imagine that nowadays? Absolutely, and throughout the book, as you say, the interviews not only give an insight on the players themselves, but also provide a snapshot of the GA and society at large of those times. How important was it for you to portray this? I think it's very important because I came up myself. I was born in four, I'm 75 in 40, in, in, uh, sorry, born in 1947. Times were very difficult, uh, in, in, the, in the 40s and 50s. There was very little, little, little money around. So I can relate to a lot of what these players told me. And as I, uh, just said there, um, the, the publication I focused on were players from different counties now. And I featured their childhood memories, their anecdotes from playing days. And, and, and of course, their epic encounters. When you think of Cork in particular, Cork and Tipperary or Kilkenny, you know, they were, the, you know, the, the Holy Trinity, we call them, don't we? And the other thing is, Rory, I think Gaelic football and hurling are, are more to me than just sports. They're indelibly linked to the social fabric of Irish societies. And all these great players uh, have, uh, have enriched our lives. And so, you know, looking back at them, it, it's fantastic. Um, and as I said, the, the, the look at their own stories and their prowess at the games, that in his own would be an interesting story to read. No, there are a lot more than that. The Mermix, to me, and he's provided a historical, cultural, social record at the times when these players lived, such as growing up during after the Second World War, when food and petrol ration was in full force. Restricted travellers, like that doctor I just told you, travelled 25 miles on an old bike, and common lifts. And also, the other thing I, I found, actually, from talking to these players, there was a never-increasing immigration. It had made it very, very difficult to keep great sides together. And I've uh, written, or there's some stories in there of former great players that turned up for a match with 14 players because the others couldn't make it. And sometimes the coach driver, if they had a driver to see the cars, would play on goals for them. That's how it was then. Unbelievable. And one of the interviews is with uh, the Kerry legend Mick O'Connell. For our younger listeners, can you speak about his influence and contribution to the game of Gaelic football? Oh, well, I think, if I'm honest, Mick O'Connell, I saw him play a couple of times. Not for Kerry, I saw him the interventional, the now defunct Railway Cup, playing for Munster against Connacht a few times. He, he was the, I suppose he was a superstar. There's no doubt about that. He was what they call the George Best. He put, he, he put glamour into it. I've never ever seen a player, a footballer, maybe I've been a few of them, that could, from a standing position, leap into the air uh, a couple of metres. I'm not joking. It looked that like that ain't to me. Uh, and grab the leather. Uh, a lot of the pl- good, fo- uh, good footballers, the midfielders, would take a run and jump. They'd run at it and catch the ball. 
he could leap like a salmon. He was an amazing character. He very seldom gave interviews either. And I was quite fortunate that I managed to, to go and stay with him in Valencia Island for a couple of, day, a couple of a days some years ago with his lovely wife, Rosalind, who sadly died this year, and, and their son, Dermot. A unique character, an absolute gentleman, and a genius in a lot of other ways as well. I love Mick O'Connell. I still do. Absolutely. And Henry, you've been an avid GA fan for 60 years or more, as well as interviewing some of the greats of the game. How much, in your opinion, has the game changed over the years? Well, I think a lot. It has changed uh, dramatically, getting back to Mick O'Connell. Mick O'Connell did say to me, he calls it now uh, uh, throw ball. And he said, if that sort of game was uh, was in what they do now in his time, he would never, ever have played Gaelic, Gaelic football. And of course, when you look back, actually, in those innocent days before the advent of, of man management, player agents, and blanket television coverage, I mean, all these players, to be honest, uh, Rory, grabbed the attention of every sports li- uh, lover. And their names would still reverberate down the generations. And I think this is a rare uh, book because even youngsters should be interested in it because it, takes them, it will take them back to what it was like during your grandparents' time uh, living in Ireland, and not just in Ireland, the UK as well. I played uh, inter-county football myself. I wasn't that good at it. Uh, I did over here in, in England. And uh, there were quite rough, rough, rough times, I tell you that. And as a follow-up, what would you see as the main challenges facing the GA in the next five to ten years? I think the main challenge is, is they've got to get rid of this this uh, running uh, hand passing. I mean, that to me is, is ruining the game as a spectacle. It's more like basketball. And what they're doing, and most of these players uh, in football anyways have, 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 uh, have, have told me, is that they're running in with the ball. They go around in circles. And years ago, they would have kicked points. No, they're not happy with that. But I put that down to management, to be honest. Because they're going back out the field, back forward. It's gone like soccer. You know, possession, 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 possession. And the other thing is, at any cost. Uh, I, I still love the game. I won't knock it. Um, but, but I think it, it, a lot of things. I'm not too sure this, this um, catch, you know, they get they want to catch it cleanly. Uh, give it, I'm not too sure that works out. But the other thing is, it's placing these um, lumps of whatever they have, a piece of wood or plastic, under the ball to kick it. They should kick the ball from, from the ground. And I remember uh, Billy Rackerton to me, you know, where the, the referee would throw the slipper in. If it landed in the hole, hard luck, you would have taken it from there off the ground, you know. Now, it's, again, they, the slipper has become a lot lighter. That's why you see players uh, nowadays, they can belt them over the bar from about 80 or 90 metres, nearly from the goal line. You couldn't do that. Uh, you'd, you'd be lucky to send it 50 metres out. And I remember getting back to your own uh, county, Christy Ring. I remember seeing him in a, in, a, in, a, in a monster final in Limerick. It must have been against Tipperary. I was only a cub at the time. I remember seeing him. He came on as a sub, and it was great to see him. Now, your own Colin Sheehan, who's uh, featured in this book, from, from Farron, is it Farron? Farron, uh, yeah. Uh, he, he actually is quite a unique character as well, because funny enough, he came over and played in Oxford. I didn't see him play, but he actually, when he went back, he got on the Cork, Cork, um, on the Cork senior team, myself and his brother, in the mid-60s. Now, then, uh, Cork, uh, in 1966, I would say they came from inferior darkness. They had not won an All-Ireland for 10 years. The last time was 19, over 10 years, 1955, I think. 
They came in the 66, complete underdogs. Tipperary were running away with it. In fairness, that Tipperary team was a brilliant team. They should have done the five in a row in the 60. But Colm Sheehan was... Uh, now, Christy Ring, you'll be able to tell me that, was playing great club hurling, well into his 40s at the time. And I know there was a lot of support for him to be chosen on that Cork team in 66 because John Doyle of Tipperary had already got the eight All-Irelands in, in 65. Uh, the same as Christian. Everybody wanted Christian Ring to do to do the ninth, but I don't think Christian particularly wanted to play. But uh, Colin Sheehan got on that team, a unique character. He scored three goals uh, as a forward, and just weeks uh, previously, uh, the same thing happened. But another newcomer, Jeff Hurst, when England won the World Cup, and they haven't done it since either. Absolutely fascinating stories in the book. And yourself, Henry, you've worked uh, for the BBC for over 25 years. Can you tell our listeners how that came about? Well, it came about when I, um, when I was growing up, I got an apprenticeship in a, in a garage. In, in, there was very much uh, not a lot of employment in Sligo. I hated the job. I left school with very few qualifications. And uh, cut a long story short, I, um, I wanted to join the Garda, but I wasn't tall enough. It was about 5 foot 10. I think it was about 5 Five foot, um, five foot nine or something. And the other thing, by the, by the time I was nineteen, my Irish, although I had got a, a, a fauna uh, in the Gaelic in, in Rossmuck and Connemara when I was fourteen, but it had all gone. So I had a mate who persuaded me. You know, the, the police in England would be of interest. I would ride in high, big bikes and who that. Applied for the police in England, got in, and you know, I ended up as a investigation. I didn't talk the end of my career there. I, the BBC were going through a bit of a transitional period where they preferred the, um, the Irish and the Scots actions rather than the posh English ones. So I was in the right place at the right time, Rory. And I got in there and I got presenting and producing programmes. And then I got my own uh, programme called Irish Eye, which was a big regional programme. And of course, it, it, it gave me the chance to meet up with, with an interview some 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 of these legends in, in GEAA as well as politics and everything else. That's how I, I to have all these old uh, sort of get uh, 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 the pandemic. I was going to throw here. Shall I do something? I thought I will. I'd already written a couple of, of books that uh, I Henry, it's a fascinating book. And before we leave you, go. Um, if anyone listening to us this afternoon would like to get a copy, how would they go about it? Right. At the moment, I think, Roy, it's not in the bookshops. Uh, it probably will be. The only way you can get it at the moment, it's uh, going to Amazon.com. If you go in there to the book section, and then you have to type in Henry Wims, and it's W-Y-M-B-S. I'm sure you'll be able to give it out as well. And then just after, are the shoulders of giants. That's the name of the book, are the shoulders of giants. And hopefully you'll be able to get it. And, uh, you know, I think it's a big book. Um, a lot of stuff in it. You've got Cairn Carey at Tipperary, as you said, Mick O'Connor. Frankie Walsh of Waterford, a uh, fabulous hurler. Um, the Rackers, the Cuddies of Leash. Uh, Jimmy Smith at Clare. And then you've got a, you got a host of other famous uh, footballers. And the other thing, Rory, they're not all All-Ireland winners either. There's a lot of them that haven't won All-Irelands. Henry, thanks for joining us on a Cork Sports Sunday this afternoon. The very best of luck to you with the book. A pleasure talking to you, and we'll catch up with you soon. And a happy Christmas to you and all your listeners as well. And thank you, Rory. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.